Recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Shumaya. It's November 23rd, 2015. And today we're brought together for spiritual, metaphysical, and soul understanding of our purpose at this time in history. The title of the episode today is Satya Graha, which is a term that was coined in the early 20th century by Gandhi. It means in Sanskrit that your purpose is your truth, that you stay firm in your truth. Sat means truth and graha means firmness. So together it means living a purpose, a stance of truth, and staying with it. And that's where I feel that I am today, Um, sticking with my purpose, not being distracted by other people's purposes, which I don't criticize and I don't um, refute. But everyone has, as we were saying earlier, a thread in the tapestry of life, um, a particular color, a particular thickness, strength, fiber, or fiber of being, and staying with it. It's so easy to get distracted these days by all of the electronics, by all of the rhetoric, by all of the conversations and texting and emails and so many other things. And One way to keep yourself on purpose is to simplify, come back to what you know is the truth, the truth for all beings, a universal truth that holds up to any situation and finding your purpose within that truth and sticking with it. And a lot of times that means really peeling away a whole lot of distractions to stay on purpose and to stay with that truth. And no matter what the arguments, and no matter how loud they are, no matter how controlling or domineering they are, that keeping that truth inside of you like a kernel uh, of a tree that's growing, setting in roots and branches inside you, like a jewel that is so precious you would not let anyone steal it by opening up your heart and taking it away. You wouldn't allow that to happen. If you knew you were carrying a diamond inside of your heart, would you let someone go in there and just take it away? No, you would protect it. You would preserve it. You would build a safe around it. You would build layers and layers of safety around it. And that's what I want to share today. We're going to do a little meditation also. Go ahead, Neil. I just said, oh, good, good timing. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a politician. I don't know how to take tomatoes on one side and cucumbers on the other and get some salad dressing and make salad of it and still smile. It hits me pretty hard in the heart and the stomach. That's right. Um, you know, old souls, which I think this group is already, we just have a few people on uh but every one of them is precious to me because the old souls are the ones who are the most sensitive. And as 
maybe one day I'll go over the different levels of souls and their characteristics. But old souls tend to sensitivity and compassion. And they are the martyrs of the world generally. They're the prophets. And uh, the downside of being an old soul is that you feel so much pain, you might tend to depression. Um, But knowing that you're an old soul also means that you were born with knowledge of the grander scheme of things. And that's what keeps you going. Because knowing that this world is only temporary is the first step. And then what are you going to do with your temporary life here? An old soul is uh, acutely aware of the connectivity of all life, the web of life. Not the web like electronics, but the web of life, how everything is moving and dependent on one another. And so they never want to hurt anything. Not not a soul, not a fly, nothing, because it's all important. It's a living thing. It's a miracle. If it's alive, it's a miracle. And so who would want to interfere with that? It's true. And so, um, you know, if you tend to feel overwhelmed, then... It's good. It's a good time to peel away all that is not important, you know, like an onion. Take the crusty stuff off the outside and go to the sweeter center pieces. So the philosophy of the Satyagraha is meant to describe the political social philosophy of the force born of truth and love or nonviolence. That's what we have to do. Even though some people like to go out and protest, maybe that's part of what they should be doing. But the nonviolent movement that we've seen taken up by others before us in history is the path that creates, from an old soul perspective, a movement towards good without causing damages. And we know that when we're angry, we want to do something, right? We want to act out. We want to get back. And that's human. It's totally human to want to react that way. But if you have more awareness than anger, it won't allow you to react with violence. It's it's not even in your vocabulary. You can think it because you're human, but what you know is that when you're done with your life here, you're going to have to live with all of that karma. It will still be there in the energy of the universe. How do we know that? Because energy is never created or destroyed. It continues to move throughout the universe. 
it changes forms, it changes frequencies, your actions never go away because your actions were caused by energy, they moved in energy, and they moved some other energy to another place, another another cause, and another cause, and another cause and effect. And we are a part of a very, very dynamic, accelerated time of history where energy is being used for positive and negative. But they didn't make energy. All they did was borrow it from the sun or borrow it from the electrical atmosphere, move it around and redirect it. We can do the same thing. We have to be keenly aware that whatever we do with the energy these days is going to be really powerful and we're going to have to live with the karma. Even words can be extremely powerful these days. So if you don't have something positive to say, it's probably better that you don't say it at all because it will come around it will orbit, and you will see it and feel the result. It's a good reminder. It really is. I mean, we can do more with, with what we project out in our thoughts than we can probably do any other way in this dimension. True. That's why I'm Yeah. Here. Yeah. If you have a thought, you can use the energy behind that thought. If you have a negative thought, well, first you have to see, did it come from inside of you or did it come from something that was sent to you? If it was something that was sent to you, then what you're doing is maybe sending it back around the orbit, back to the cause. That's how I see my anger sometimes. Like, okay, this wasn't my anger. This is not my violence. This is some energy that was passed down through me to feel and express. Okay, do I want to use it that way? Do I want to send it back with the knowledge that this was not my violence? This is not my anger. I had no cause for anger. So it must be somebody else's. They want to see it expressed back to them as a mirror. Well, maybe you can use it for a lesson. Maybe you can use it for something productive and change the form or change the effect of that energy. Sometimes anger can be used well as long as it stays with the kernel of truth, as long as it's an extension of, a demonstration of that kernel of truth that the Satyagraha represents. Gandhi went through a very tumultuous time in the late 1800s, early uh, 20th century. A lot of turmoil, a lot of hardship. And he represented in the most 
nonviolent way possible what he thought to be the right thing to do. And I don't know all the details of his life, but I know that he stands in front of me as a teacher. Even just his icon as a teacher for what he went through. And Nelson Mandela also. Great, great teacher, great icon who stood for truth and spent 37, was it 37 or 27 years in prison for standing up for human rights in Africa. South Africa. Is that incredible? Sure is. It was 27. 27. Thank you, Kumar. Yeah, Nelson Mandela suffered terribly. And then what happened? When they let him out, he became like president, you know. So, do you ever forget where you're supposed to be going with this? Just take a look at what they went through. And he ended up making uh, advocates or friends of his jailers, of his white jailers, which was equally impressive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got some good films on him. I've seen um, really well well done films that that really show his life and what he went through, and his wife too, yeah. Any thoughts or questions about truth, questions of truth, what's what's universal, what's specific to situation? How does that relate to quantum theology? How does that relate to God's purpose for us? Has to be present in every in every quantum in every particle of the universe. There's no other way around it. Otherwise, you, the universe does not hold together. Um, sorry, can you say that again and um, with your voice to the phone a little? Excuse me. <clears throat> But the truth has to be present in every in every part of the universe, in every in the smallest um, fiber of the universe. Otherwise, it would not hold together as a part yeah. of uh, the divine divine fabric or tapestry. Yeah. Along with, I guess, along with divine love, I think. We're losing you now. Um, Okay. I think what you were saying is that if it doesn't fit in with a divine tapestry, then it's not part of its purpose. Is that what you were saying? I'm sorry, say that again. I think you were saying is that if it's not part of the divine tapestry, then it stands outside of your purpose. Is that what you were saying? Um, 
refer I was talking specifically about truth and that it has to be a part of the every aspect of the universe. It has to be present everywhere. Oh otherwise mm-hmm. the universe would not uh, hold together. Right. Mm-hmm. Along with divine love, I think. <laughs> I'm still stuck on how to use these things as a weapon against what's happening. <laughs> well, maybe there's some something for you to do with that. Maybe you're gifted with some scientific understanding that will help you use it. Um, turn it around and stop it. But I don't think you... I mean, I'm not God. I don't know. The big, big picture, but if uh, if you can move the situation, the functionality of the, of the situation, then you should. You know, if you know how to do that. Uh, I don't. I'm not seeing that all of this stuff is going to end anytime soon. Not in my vision. Um, I'm. My guidance is showing me that this is going to serve a very, very large divine purpose. And a big part of that purpose is calling the souls that God created. All souls came from him, and he decides who he wants to bring home. And even though that's personifying God, you know, in a human sense, it is really part of his consciousness. He created souls because he knows what soul material is made of. And he wants to bring back the ones who have attained understanding through the gift of life for lifetimes, of many lifetimes. And when you're ready, you don't have to go through it anymore. You just go back home and become one with all of that love and light again not have to suffer again and that's the point of enlightenment the ones who resist the ones who try to destroy life will be destroyed in turn because uh, God can do anything he wants with them if he decides that with all the chances that they've had that all they want to do is attain to dust then that's as much as they'll get in the end your consciousness is very limited and you're trying to own the world, you're not going to own very much at all. Because the universe is a huge place, you know. I mean, it's so huge. There's no, we don't even know the limits of it. And here, you know, people in the world are looking at, oh, I'm going to have this house and this car. No, I want two cars. No, I want more more and more and more of this stuff, this material stuff, which is just going to fall away eventually. You can't take any of this stuff with you as a soul. You can't take a shred of it with you. All you can take is how large your mind and heart have expanded here. That's all you can take. 
So what difference does it make if you have piles and piles of material things and lots and lots of houses with maintenance bills and taxes and everything else and huge bank accounts that just sit there? It doesn't mean a damn thing when you let, when you leave your body. That's true. Well, I sent an email to somebody and said you wouldn't happen to have Gandhi's phone number, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can have a direct line to Gandhi if you meditate on him, his spirit. Yeah, I know. I call in many. Mm-hmm. You could call in uh, your angels and ancestors to help. I call Baba G and Sri Yukteswar quite often. Yeah, that's good. And a whole lot of others. Even Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Yeah. He had dreams. He had dreams about asteroids hitting the Earth. Oh. I really connected with his soul one night. I was in a club playing music with the band I was in. And it's like something took me over and I started playing Voodoo Child. And after I was done, people were walking up and putting their hands on me and going, how did you do that? And I said, I don't know. My fingers were doing things I didn't even know how to do. So I feel close to him. I think he was a very powerful being and a whole lot more than all the sensationalized showman stuff. So I connect with a variety of souls and tell them to do whatever they can do from the other side to help us. Yeah, I was thinking uh, just yesterday, last night, how, you know, my my nature is very sensitive and sometimes I feel like I can't get my message across. I don't speak loud. I'm not dominating any conversations. And I was thinking, my God, how would the angels feel if they were trying to get a message across to us and we couldn't hear them? Wow. That is so powerful. Wow. Mhm. Hi, Anita. Oh, hi, hi, Sue. How are you? Good. Well, it's just that you know my messages are like Neil used a really good word the other day that stuck in my mind. He says ethereal, and I can relate to that because as I transition mind and soul and heart, my meditations, I become more and more sensitive, more ethereal. Mm-hmm. And ethereal doesn't find a place in this world. You know, it doesn't It doesn't have a place in this world, really. It just kind of hovers in between. Mm-hmm. And so it made me think about if the angels were trying to talk to us now, they, they, they must see the suffering. They must be watching. They they know the future trends, the probabilities of of danger. Uh-huh. And yet, if we can't hear their message, what could they be possibly thinking and feeling about that? Whether they yeah. be trying to trying to warn us or trying to encourage us uh-huh. or trying 
trying to heal us during yeah. this time. It's funny that you said that because I think that that's where faith comes in and whatever your higher power, because sometimes the, the messages I believe that they're sending may not be, maybe they are sending them out or letting us know, but we're not just looking. We're, we, you know, we're looking for something and, you know, to, to save us or we're looking for, for me, I'm talking about myself now, is that maybe the message that they're trying to give us, we just don't want to hear. We don't want to hear it. Or maybe I heard you say something about having a soft tone or, or I think, you know, there's something to say that the empty barrel makes the most noise, of course. You know, um, we have so, we're bombarded, I think, with so many messages. I think that's why we're harassed so much. That's part of the gang stalking. So you can't hear. You can only hear what they want you to hear, see what they want you to see. And, you, you know, you start to believe it. And I, I, you know, and I apologize. I, I came in so late. I actually just left school. But I think God sends us, or whatever you believe in, a higher power sends us messages every day. And, and, and they call miracles, you know. And maybe he helps us through people through, you know, the people that we meet on this journey along the way. As I um, come through you know, my life and what is happening to my life, I'm learning the importance of faith. You know, in, in, in knowing my own voice and my hearing and believing my own voice and finding my voice through this tragedy that we're living through and um, knowing what the kind of world we live in, how do we leave it better for those? You know, I don't know. I, I, I can't give you the answer for that. I just try a little bit every day to be a better light in my own life, you know, and for other people who are around me despite what's been done. So I think that um, we hear voices only maybe when we, it's funny that you're talking about voices, that we, um, you can hear those voices through maybe finding our own, maybe finding our own voice. Hello. Hello. Oh, it looks like um I think Sue dropped off <coughs> temporarily. It happened before. <coughs> yeah, it looks like Sue just got cut off. That's what that Oh sure. Oh hi, how you doing guys? Hey Anita. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? You don't sound good. <laughs> yeah, it's a day to day thing. You got a cold? It's uh, some kind of uh, incipient asthma they're trying to bring up. Uh, oh, God. Radiation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that and some gluten sensitivity, apparently. I didn't know I had. <laughs> Looks like okay. Sue, Sue got cut off, so she'll probably be trying to come back in. Oh, yeah, she'll come back in. Maybe her phone. I, I wasn't sure. Can you guys re- uh, tell me what the topic is again? It's 
Hello. Satyagraha. <clears throat> Are you familiar with Gandhi at all, Benita? I'm sorry, darling. I can't hear you very well. Are you familiar with Gandhi at all? Oh, Gandhi? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, his use of, uh, his development of the concept of satyagraha. I'm not satyagraha. sure what that is. I'm not, is that a meditation? It's, uh, it's more, uh, it literally stands for truth force, uh, where truth becomes I'm your sorry, guiding. I'm sorry, can you say that again? It, the word stands for truth force. Uh-huh. It means. Uh, and it's it's um, you basically concentrate on the truth. You make truth the the essence of your of your oh, being. Okay, I like that. And in turn, it uh, other people recognize that, and you become a force for truth. And uh, since truth is always essential in the functioning of the world, especially for rebalancing movements that rebalance the world that becomes a very potent uh, very potent tool or instrument for accomplishing um, whatever task you are you are here to do uh-huh. in Gandhi's case of course holding India together and then liberating them from the British That's what Sue was talking about, Satyagraha, and how to use that maybe as a um, in the in these circumstances, maybe holding fast to your truth, as you were saying earlier, holding fast to your truth and uh, using it as a. Uh, oh gosh, I'm sorry, she is. <laughs> they, they cut me off. I had to try back with two other phone numbers. Oh jeez. And I'm on another another phone, which doesn't have such a good quality, but I'm here. Uh, Hi, Sue. <laughs> Hi. I, look, you know we knew what was going on. Oh, oh yeah. Man. You know, I mean, they are, I'm really heavily targeted, and this is one of the things that they're trying to keep me from doing is talk about energy and oh. energy can be directed by thought and how you can heal yourself. That's right. You know, um, I'm sorry we lost a couple people there. Um, But But I thank uh, you, first of all, Sue. I thank you for your bravery, and I honor you for that, for having the courage to, as um, KP would say, to know your truth and to, despite what's happening to us, all of us, what's happening to you, your targeting, to still help us. You know, I got a call today. I was sick for the rest of the week, you know, for last all of last week. And just to get the call and say, you know what, we're going to have a text from you. Lifted my spirit. I just got out of the class. That's the only reason why I'm late, so I'm sorry about that. And um, um, I've been feeling, I thank you for the topic tonight about your truth. And I've been feeling like that. It's funny that you just verbalized, or the KP told me what the topic was and the definition of the word, kind of what I've been feeling, and I've been like this acceptance. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Just I can't. There's certain things I can't change, but there's certain things I can through my voice. 
and through my life. And then there was like an acceptance, a finally an acceptance that I that allowed me to let go of the negative energy and not to fight, but I'm not, you know, towards um, what's happening to all of them. You say, oh, you know, I'm not worrying about the gang stalkers, whatever. I'm not worrying about the other things that are happening at work or whatever because it has nothing to do with me. It really doesn't in the life that I've lived. It really doesn't, you know, in my destiny, what God has for me. It doesn't, you know. I don't know. And I got to the point and said, well, you know what? For me, my I've gotten to the point, Sue, where I think, well, God, you've got a purpose for me in this world, maybe the short time that I'm here, and I have no fear of death. So whenever the good Lord says, you know, your time is over, I hope I've been a light or used my energy in a positive way, you know. And I just um, I pray for my children that I work with every day, what kind of world they're going to be living in, you know. I'm praying that this evilness would be stopped, you know. I pray for them. Yeah. That this is the kind of world we're going to leave our children, you know. I'm with you, so I'm not that, that when that time comes and my body is no longer here and my spirit is thin, that's, you know, I don't know. I think we're put here to make the world, leave the world a little bit better than when we came in. I truly believe that to leave a, a positive, that, that energy, the energy of ideals, the energy. And you were saying something about you, Sue. I don't think sometimes, I, and I am the same way, um, I speak very softly, and I finally real, realized that a little drop of water makes a lot of damage, or the little petal that you throw into a, a stream makes a lot of ripples. So it's not, I don't think, how loud you are, or I don't think it's that. I think it's the ideals that we express, you know, um, that come out of us, you know. And people do hear you, Sue. They do hear you. And maybe sometimes it doesn't have to come out brass. Everybody has a way, you know. Yeah, style. Yeah, they do. And it maybe has never been you. You can't, I, I don't know. I, I've um, been asking myself that. That's just never, if I do that, that would be out of my character and personality, you know. Um, right. We all, you, you know, I like what you said one time. You said it a couple of months ago. There's times when we need to change our frequency. Well, you can't yeah. keep your same frequency all the time. You know, there's times, you know, when I need to get loud. There's times when I need to, you know, get my little black girl, I'm little, my head, and I, you know, people, I mean this, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah. But I think there's time and energy for that. And, you know, we don't have a lot of that. So I have to pick and choose my battles a lot more, but this battle as a targeted person, I like what you're saying about healing, because we can't heal anybody first or, or be a voice if we're tired, and, and they know this. This is why they're getting to our bodies, because they couldn't break our minds, and I finally, I said, oh my God, is everybody here broken? Mm. I, I just, are we living in a broken planet, in a broken world, and we just decided if someone has a little bit of light in them, we're going to destroy them. A little bit of good energy, we're just going to destroy them. And I pray for my daughter. She's such a beautiful young lady. She just has a beautiful spirit. She's like you, so soft-spoken, 
It's just the light, just the light. And to think that someone, and now that, you know, wants to take, or the children that I work with on an everyday basis, who are little babies, that someone in this world sees them as a threat, or they're no good, or, you know, their energy, you know. But thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening to me. I just, you know, God puts us here for a reason, so we're here for a reason. And that, I think the battle, that fight that you're talking about, it may not be done. It may be for the quiet warriors, you know. It may not be done. And I think Anita, before you came on, we I don't know if you heard this or not, but hi, I was listening to an economist earlier talking about how we've been playing chess far too long, a game where you have to knock someone out and take their stuff to win. We need to be like a jigsaw puzzle, silently and seamlessly fitting together and making the big picture whole. That's how we work together, like a jigsaw puzzle, holding hands. And that's what the piece, Karen, is that what we don't understand, that if we come together like that, that because we all need each other. You know that, Karen. We've been so, I've met that social engineering that has been kept to keep us apart. Yeah. Treaded <laughs> into our psyche that when we see someone or, we, you know, they're serious, you know how the society has created those things? So, so we can't pull together. So we can't, it's not, you know, the, the, these people work both sides of the chess game, you know, every side. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm seeing it happening every day. Every day? Yeah, on the TV machine talking about these, all this stuff going on in the world. My gosh, it's uh, it's mind-blowing. It's so multi-layered. Uh-huh. Yes. And I heard that the TV's ratings were down. That's a good thing. What did you say to TV? Well, TV ratings don't mean anything to me because there's so many media outlets these days. It's like, <clears throat> you know, the web has got millions and millions of channels who are gathering information. And uh, somebody's, like somebody's making noise. Could you star six? We're recording right now. Who wants to work on their dinner? Star six while they're listening. <laughs> um, I'm going to look at the. Would somebody like to look at the eight nine eight nine nine call and see if anybody would like to come over? I don't know if I can do that at the same time. You know, I went in last night or night before, whenever it was, and the whole room was muted, or half the room was muted, and wanted uh-huh. to be unmuted, and there was no joke. So I put on the chat. I would open my oh. call for people that wanted to be unmuted. And he got upset later and came on and um, talked about it for a while that, you know, there were other groups and we were bad-mouthing him and we didn't, you know, that wasn't my intent. I just meant because nobody was on the call. I didn't mean to. Never mind that. There's only four people in there right now. Okay. Well, I didn't mean, he kind of went on and on about how we were all bad and all the ancillary calls are bad and how they took his call off the, off the, um, FFCHS website, I guess. I don't know. I haven't looked. I don't go on there. Okay. Don't worry. There's only four people there. Um, so there's, we've probably right. got the best We probably got the best crew right here and now. 
So um, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to go through a meditation. I'm going to mute the room for sound. And we're going to go through. Can you hear me all right on this phone, or should I try back on my other one? It's fine. Does the sound good. quality okay? Because I don't. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's do a little meditation on finding our truth. I'm going to mute everyone's sound, and then we'll open it back up for conversation. So hopefully uh, you're not in the middle of doing your chores. Um, You can find a nice place where you can sit for about 10 to 15 minutes and a little more after that for a resting. Some place where you won't be distracted by external noises or interruptions. That means turning down some lights or some electronics around you. That would be very helpful for yourself. Sit down or lie down in a comfortable place. Close your eyes. For a few minutes, the whole world will still be there when you open them again. All of the chaos and all of the traffic will still be going on. But for this moment, you can become centered, focused, and undistracted by the world. down into your place, crossing your arms and legs, you can stand for this also, you feel the energy. With your eyes closed, through from head to toe, stopping. Place and time. Releasing your connection. People, situations.
if there are any pockets or not into those spots. Visible to the naked eye, but very real nonetheless. but you can expand light out there. You have as much as you need right now. can be filled and removed.
you have a connection. You're fading in and out, Sue. We can't hear you most of the time. You're going to have to move around with that cordless phone. Sorry. Try to fill yourself again after that little distraction. Keep the orb of light. From this point of view, ask a guide to come close so that you can hear a message. Ask a question of your purpose and truth related to our conversation. Ask an open-ended question like, what is my purpose now? Or what truth should I know right now? Just wait and receive the answer. Purest form. Give you a moment for this. Take this message. Imagine in your mind's eye, you're walking through a beautiful field or outside. Maybe it's a place that you've known. Maybe it's a new one. You're holding this truth, this message inside, and you're processing. How can you use it? You walk through the new landscape. Notice objects, natural elements, animals, birds. Any of these can be a new symbol, a new gift of understanding. Give you another moment for this. 
even in the silence, you can receive so much wisdom. Sometimes, especially in the silence. Continue on your little journey through your mind's eyes, landscapes, understandings, knowledge, wisdom. If there are any other questions, ask them now to your guide. Give you another moment for this. Sometimes it will be a feeling. Can be instantaneous, complete, short amount of time. in with another deep breath, settle the knowledge into the deepest part of your body, your cellular level, into your DNA, activated by this knowledge. Let yourselves know that this is a new focus or confirming one that you've already known. So that your DNA, your cells, your organs, your entire life is reorganized. That anything that might fall away from this point forward was meant to fall. Anything or anyone who doesn't belong is now released to the grand universe where there is place and time for all. Struggles can be released and reorganized without your effort. The tapestry will reorganize around that. Another deep breath and say, it is so. Open your eyes whenever you're ready. Yes, I I understand that there's a little problem with the audio, but... um,
going to unmute. Go ahead, Karen. Hi. Hi, Karen. Yeah, I didn't hear most of it. The few sentences at the end, most of it. I don't know what happened. I did, they didn't want me to hear because your stuff always helps me, you know. Well, I think it's partly this phone I'm using. Um, I had to pick it up at the last minute when I got cut off my usual phone. Oh, well, you sounded really good and clear. Just all of a sudden you muted us and whatever happened, it muted. I didn't hear you talk for a long time. And you kind of came in and went, said a few words and went out and then waited a few minutes. And you came in and said a few words and went out. And at the very end, you said a few sentences I heard. Go listen to the tape. Well, I don't trust, I didn't trust this phone. I didn't trust the recording. You can listen to I'm going to unmute you all right now. And... <coughs> I pictured them sending a field over your phone to block it so we couldn't hear you. That's oh, what I thought. Thank you. Well, that's good. They do that. You just have to move. Well, thanks for doing that. Signing you with another phone. <laughs> this is crazy. I'm not a technical person. <laughs> uh, oh, can can you can you hear me all right? Yeah, you got a little echo. You must be on speaker. Oh. Like you got okay. somebody new in the room too. I do. Okay. I have. Still muted. I just called in with my other phone. That's talking to itself. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um. So the recording is not perfect. This is why when I use my other call-in conference center, um, I make sure that I copy and paste the meditations so that they're as pure as they can be. You know. Not pure, but, you know, sound quality is still usable after by other people. Yeah, that's And cool. I, I don't really trust the talk shoe stuff, so um, this was not going to be one of my best ones. But I just felt that it was time to do another one um, and get another message out. I hope you got something out of that anyway with... What kind of uh, images or messages did you all get? I saw an eagle out in the desert standing on the ground. And then I saw either a coyote or a wolf. And the impression I got was you have to play both parts. Ground oh. view and sky view. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. 
to be able to see like an eagle from overhead. And then also be able to work on the ground within that view. Something like that. Yeah, that's what I saw. It was to have the attributes of both of them because those images both came in pretty clear. Then I saw a black panther. Which, you know, the warrior side of me, if I had to shape shift, that's that's the animal I seem to refer to. Could be one of your power animals. Well, you know, uh, in shamanism, you know, we do have our power animals, our guides, that can take the shape of animals and represent to us the qualities of those animals. And also, when you take on new situations or new new struggles in life, you sometimes get new power animals to help you with that. So you're not only with one animal you have. You might end up with, you know, a whole family of animals who can help each one providing its qualities and characteristics to you. Mm -hmm. Like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can be adaptive when you know that, too. That's right. Like, say, let's say you did a shamanic journey and you were given, you know, the panther. But then you get to a place in life where you have to have more vision. So you're given the eagle, too, to help you see from the distance, like you just said. Anytime you need to, you can ask those friends, those guides, well, what do you think? You know, what what should I know? I can show you. Time to get up in the air like that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to use every tool we can possibly remember how to use. Learn how to use. We have somebody from Oregon on the call. Yeah, that's probably Amy calling back in. Did we lose you, Amy? You missed the meditation, I think. Well, when I was uh, muted and not listening to anything, I thought of my high school geometry teacher who took really hard things to understand and made them sound like kindergarten and wore bobbing red earrings and had red lipstick and red shoes that all matched that I used to just sit there and stare at and think, wow, who would go to all that trouble? It was fun watching her bobbing red earrings, and I was thinking about that while I was on mute. (laughs) to do with anything, but you asked him what he was thinking of, and I thought, well, I can tell her what I was thinking of while I was waiting for you to fade back in. What geometry. Does, what does that mean? Was it the geometry part of it, the circles, or was she it was always, well, you know, she was always bobbing her head, and she always had those red earrings and red things that matched. You know, I had, I always stared at teachers that had things that, that matched because I thought they were just, it was just wild that someone would go to all that trouble, and um. 
I remember, you know, I would entertain myself by looking at her bobbing earrings or something because it was she would reduce it to such simplicity, which really takes a bright person. It takes talent to take a difficult concept and reduce it to conceptual levels that anyone could understand, even dumbass high school kids. And she did that effortlessly, just like lifting up, you know, like everything was a featherweight. It was just real easy, and it was... Easy schmeasy, so we just put it on cruise control and sucked it all in and looked at her bobbing earrings and I don't that's all I remember. It was a pleasant, you know, thought. Kind of a hypnotic one I guess. Time of learning a lot of complicated stuff rapidly, effortlessly from a really good teacher. Maybe it was because I was thinking about you. Well, I I think that there's a big um you know, that there's some lightness and laughter in that and we were talking about how when the situations get really heavy it helps to lighten up and bob around you know dance yeah, plus around it, it was plus it was it was a funny class because it was the only class i ever fell asleep in and when i woke up she was standing over me calling my name and the whole class was looking at me laughing <laughs> It was well. It was. It wasn't humiliating. It was funny. I mean, it, I, I was uh, uh, apparently sleep deprived and decided to nap during class for some reason. Maybe your earrings put me to sleep. I don't know. I didn't mean to change the topic. Please go back to what you were talking about. No, we we're we we're talking about what did you get during that time, and you were you were expressing that. Well, that's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was interesting, cool. I try to think about stuff, you know, the white horse and that Sophie and I talked about a lot too, and realized why why that has such meaning in my brain. And I was just thinking back to the horses. Interestingly enough, they had this ten acre place they could go run and graze and roam. But no matter where, I, well, they were always blommed up at the very top of the hill in one little teeny tiny corner of the fence, like right up near the house. Like they wanted to be close to me. <laughs> and they would stand there like all day. We'd, be, we'd go up there and we'd throw, you know, it's like, guys, you got 10 acres, go run around and eat the grass. And they'd just stand there staring pointing at the house, all, all of them, all four of them. And for a whole half a day at a time, eventually they'd go and graze and they'd come back and stand there. And I never could figure that out. I didn't know anything about the targeting and magnetic fields and all that stuff either. So who knows? You were talking about the animals. I thought about the animals on the ranch and how they actually came alive and personified while I was witnessing it happen. It was an amazing transformation of my spirit and soul. Yeah, you know, a lot of us are uh, animal lovers. I notice it's the common threads that I notice. Most of us have been compassionate. Some of us were, hum- you know, humanitarian causes uh, were part of our work. So, and a lot of us were, you know, animal healers, or we adopted strays. I was always adopting animals, taking them in or finding them homes, just from my own neighborhood in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah me too. I was always, I had five dogs at one time. <laughs> yeah. I just 
Yeah, I was, I was, up, I was up to four cats one time. My garage was a studio. Half of it's the studio. The other half was like the cat motel for the cat that oh. nobody wanted to take in. <laughs> I had little yeah. pillows and blankets spread around so the, the the feral cats could get a place to sleep in the winter. Sounds like our living room <laughs> with the <this> dog <laughs> <laughs> every day. Yeah. And some of them would really warm up to me after a while, you know. These are these are animals that survived in the woods and didn't trust a human being for a mile. But after right. sleeping in my little motel, they became my friends and my protectors, and they showed me when there was danger coming around, and I give them a good meal every day, you know, clean water if I could. And uh, they, you know, feral cats or animals in general can be great great friends, you know, you don't have oh, yeah. to own them, you don't have to own them, you know, I, I think it's nice to own animals and be responsible for them, but I also know I couldn't call myself an owner of four cats, but I definitely was the friend of them. You're a caretaker, temporary caretakers, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. passing we're just all passing through here, and they're just temporarily take, taking care of them. Yeah. And they know the good people. They know your intention. That's the key word there. They know your heart. They know your heart, your intention. Are you going to be harmful or good? You know, are you going to be, are you going to give them something? Do you communicate? If they can communicate with you, then you're more trustworthy. But, um, you know, if you have a lot of layers of blocks, blockages, then they won't, you know, you won't be communicating. They they will not try to scrape through all the layers of disconnect. They'll see you, they'll see your disconnect, and they won't even try, you know, they'll wait for you to open up to them. They know. I think animals are sent to us as messengers as well. I had a cat who was like a watchdog. And um, he would chase any other animals away, especially other dogs. I love dogs too, but he was, you know, his role, he was the outside feral cat. I called him Pretty Boy. He was was white with some gray patches and... um, you know, if somebody came to the yard, he, he would chase them away. <laughs> so did you name your animals just with whatever instinctual name came into your mind at the moment when you looked at them? Yeah, a lot of times I say, well, what is your name? I'll ask them directly if they have a name. Or if not, I'll go by something that um, they remind me of. Yeah, me too. I just kind of wait for the psychic message and I go, that's it. Like this one dog I had looked like a cinnamon color. And I wanted to call her cinnamon, but I wanted to call her Minnie, so we called her Min Min. Minion? Should have called her Sin Sin or something. We called her Min Min. I don't know why we just ended up, it just fit her, you know, Min Min. For some reason, Minnie was her name. And um, Min. <laughs> and uh, she was an incredible dog. Incredible dog, just amazing. She taught, you could hear her speaking words. The daughter came up to me and said, there's so much she's saying, Mama. 
she was. She was saying, Ma, Ma. And then the next day she said, Huh? I've seen that. Uh, I've seen where animals are trying to form words. Well, that's the only one I've ever seen get that close. That was very interesting, and it was a day or two before she died. Oh. Yep. And I didn't really notice it. My daughter did. She listened to that, so it wasn't like my imagination, you know. Yeah, I've seen videos where the dog is going, I love you. I love you. Yeah, or no. Well, that's cool. And let's see. uh, Okay, Kumar, you want to share something from your meditation? And and there's Amy who's muted herself. She can come on whenever she wants. Kumar, did you get a vision or an insight you want to share? And try to speak into your mic. So we can hear what you're saying. Yeah, not <clears throat> not so much uh, today. The meditation technique is kind of uh, it's going to take a while to get back into the practice. I think. Oh. But uh, I had a, the normal totem animals came to mind. At this point, though, I don't know whether these animals are coming to my mind because they're my normal totem animals or because these guys are flashing them in front of me so often on the TV and elsewhere. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. Okay. So there's discernment in this program. noise I can't talk over um, in this program there's a whole lot of psychic warfare and um, as much as people want to deny that the 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 actual exercise for us is discernment the tool and the skill that we develop through that is discernment which is a really key talent in the spiritual world because after we run out of physical things to do in this world we have to use our discernment in the next and that's all you have to distinguish between good and evil and all of the different you know compartmentalizing of spirit it's discernment so we get to practice that here now what you can do is when you see something coming your way go um, where did this come from and what is what is its intention for me? Now, they can answer that for you. If they're there for your good, then they will give you a pleasant feeling. If not, then you can just say, well, thank you for reminding me. I'm going to move on from here. You just release them. Well, you have to do it over and over. I mean, let's say once you are given a cat uh, as a symbol, like in your meditation, not every cat in your meditation will be the same cat or the same spirit of cat. So you have to ask. Every time it's like a new exercise of discernment in the psychic realm. So that you bring up a very good point. 
and that is, um, <coughs> uh, it looks like that's what you're working on right now. Yeah, if I could do, um, expand on that. When I ask the universe, uh, is to say, is this person involved or not in this nonsense going on? Oftentimes there are two different levels of discernment that come back. Okay. And the lower one, I and this wasn't the case before. I suspect it's a it's an indication of devolution rather than evolution spiritually. Um, but the lower voice, perhaps um, maybe somebody else would know better. Um, is the, could the lower voice be the more human or lower vibration uh, psyche versus the divine voice, which is the higher voice and perhaps the truer voice? In other words, the human You're, need is represented getting, by the lower voice. You get two answers to your questions when you're in a psychic yeah. realm. You get two yeah. voices. Uh, not at the same time, but depending on which one I focus on. It didn't used to be this way. It used to be unitary voice, but uh, just recently there seemed to be uh, two different answers depending on which realm or level I ask the question. Uh, well, if I focus on a lower level or a higher level. Okay, okay. Yeah, so you might be getting, on one hand, you might be getting two different guides for two different levels, or you may have one that's a guide and one is a synthetic telepathy in our case. So you'll have to discern that and find out through further questioning. Another thing to contemplate is, does that cause you confusion? Mm-hmm. Increasingly. It used to be a unitary voice. I would only get one answer. Now it seems to be splitting and they're not always uh, corroborating each other. might try putting a TENS unit set for 8 hertz on the pulse rate. You'd have to have a multimeter to set it, but I've experimented with this for a while. After doing the Dream Shield to shut out that, that stuff, disrupts their pulse. And 8 hertz is what they find the gurus resonate at a lot. Makes a difference if you're angry. Mm -hmm. Anyway, confusion is a sign of evil. That's why I'm bringing up that perspective, too, because I get that sometimes. Good point. point. So you think this might be an external, uh, somebody externally uh, infusing this? Well, it could be technology, but it could also be, uh, you know, an etheric attack just to try and undermine your your clarity. Sumaya was pointing out how you you see that blue dot open up in your meditation with your eyes closed. And when I don't meditate for a while, it's like all these gray clouds for 10 or 15 minutes, and then all that starts to kind of go away, and that one little focus is that kind of purplish-tinted, really rich blue. And then I can tell I'm open, and and I get better gains there. They seem to be making an effort to block that because power is over force, and they know that. 
we do too. Yes. Because true power, true spiritual power, is greater than all kinds of uh, injustices that they can try to perpetrate on you. Have you guys uh, <clears throat> come across any uh, psychic warriors, so to speak, nationally or internationally, who you've found to be, whose books or teachings you've found to be extremely when we're talking about psychic warfare. Uh, yeah, Kumar. Kumar, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Amy. She knows a little bit about that. Go ahead. Uh, hi, Kumar. Um, yeah, this is Amy from Portland, Oregon. Uh, yeah, I just heard your question, and there is. Um, there is this audio and regular hard copy book um, called Divine... Rebels, and it's with um, Andrew. Hello, you there? Hello? Yeah, I can't, I can't really Hi. hear you though. It's a lot of background. You have to clear, clean up your uh, connection with your phone. Go ahead. I just heard, I just heard like a beep. That's what I asked. That's what I asked. Is it better now? Is Go it better ahead. now? Yeah, so anyway, it's it's uh, the, the authors are Andrew Harvey, who is a spiritual teacher and mystic for many, 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 many years. And uh, Carolyn Mace, who's also um, a spiritual teacher psychologist for many, many, many years. Um, and they talk about exactly what you just said. They talk about how to use dark times like we're all going through right now. Uh, you know, uh, you know, um, a lot of injustices, which is going on right now, human violate, human rights violations, and use that to um, to extract from within our deepest selves uh, uh, a power which we never uh, were able to access before this perpetrated upon us, before this 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 catastrophe happened, we, we probably couldn't have done it. We need these really dark, 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 dark times to actually get to that place where we can, you know, we can use it to rebel, to just go against the evil that's going on right now. And it's really a horrible world out there in a lot of ways that, that I never knew the world was so bad. I used to pretty much float in the, in the, in the spiritual uh side of things, and I realized that, um, you know, and this kind of catapulted me out of the, um, the, the, the illusion that I could stay in a spiritual realm and, and everything would be nice and sweet most of the time, and I would just notice my mind going through different stages, and as the mind does, but then I got, like we all have, we got we got assaulted by this technology, and then I realized uh, I can't I can't hang there anymore. I gotta I gotta go to other places inside myself. So that's what that, so that basically that's what this, this this audio book and hard copy book is about. And it's only a few years old. And they talk about this stuff in the book in the in the book. It's all in there about uh, you know you know about, about corporate corporate powers and about evil and they don't they don't actually talk about targeted individuals, but you could hear it. It's 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 in there. They are, they're, they're, they're very aware of it. Very, very aware of it. So, and I'm, 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 so I'm actually going to buy um, 
buy probably the audio book because I find it very valuable just to listen to it over and over just to remind me to just bring out that rebel in me and just go against the stock stuff and just to just to just just to do the best I can against it and just just to, you know defy it and um, you know don't let it just just rise as high up as you can above it higher than you could ever believe you can it's all enough to do it it's really is. That's a really good point, Amy. Thank you for reminding us because, um, you know, it, it, it reminds me also that a mantra can be extremely, can be very, very helpful. Um, it can really reconstruct your energy field by patterning the energy around you through a mantra. And I'm not saying you should change mantras every day, but find one that really helps you to feel centered, that can help you rebuild the construct of consciousness that you're familiar with. I tend to do the Gayatri mantra almost every day, not every day, and that's easily found online. I also have a link to it from my website, which I'll give you is su808.wordpress.com. And I have her video, uh, Prima, I mean, uh, Diva Primal, her version of the Gayatri, which is really beautiful and has great imagery attached to it. Um, I also recommend the Mula Mantra, which is a, a protective mantra. You can do, uh, I found one explanation of it. Let me see if I can read that to you. Since we are in these times of psychic warfare, the Mula Mantra, I'm going to go to that page right now and read it to you. From omoneness.com. And they've got a whole lot of teachings over there. The Mula Mantra goes Sat Chit Ananda Para Brahma Puru Shotama Paramatma Sri Bhagavati Sameta Sri Bhagavati Namaha. The explanation of it is right here. I'll read that to you. That, that's actually a lot to read. The mantra evokes the living God, asking protection and freedom from all sorrow and suffering. It's a prayer that adores the great creator and liberator, who out of love and compassion manifests to protect us in an earthly form. The Mula mantra has given great peace and joy to people all over the world who have chanted or even listened to it. It has the power to transport one's mind to the state of causeless love and limitless joy. The calmness that the mantra can give is to be experienced, not spoken about. Then it has like word-by-word translation. But you can go to, if you want to see that page, it's, well, you know what? I can post it in the chat, although most of us are on phone right now. Let me post that. We used to do the Gayatri Mantra. Uh, that used to be our standard. Uh, the other one is called Mula. How do you spell that? 
Moolah Mantra in English, M-O-O-L-A. I'm posting, I don't know if you can sign in and look at the chat, but I'm going to put this on here anyway for anybody. It is Om Oneness. <coughs> OmOneness.com. One word. Om, O-M-O-N-E-N-E-S-S dot com slash Mula Mantra, M-O-O-L-A-M-A-N-T-R-A. But that that website has a lot of different uh, resources for you to look at. Now, I'm not saying you have to do mantras only from Hindu because in Hebrew or in English and from the Bible, you know, or from uh, some great saying by Ralph Waldo Emerson, you can take any phrase and use it as your mantra if it if it resonates with you, don't force yourself into a matrix that isn't natural because there'll be holes in it. But a, a matrix that is natural for you where you can use a few words to reintegrate that structure for protection. Let's say you want to take from Isaiah, I've got right in front of me here, uh, from Isaiah 40. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That's Isaiah 40, line 31. Um, whatever is your home language or your your home spiritual um, practice, that's where you should go back to when you feel uneasy or confused. Like Kumar left because he's probably going to look up something now. I used the 23rd Psalm half for several years now. Yeah? You want to read that to us? Do you have it? Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, and yeah. they get me to down in great pastures. You know, it's a long thing. To yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can use the Lord's Prayer. You know? Yeah, I do that too. I use both Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even if you just say those words, it's very powerful. Yep. And that too. Oh, we got somebody from New York here. Hello, New York. Who's this? Hi, this is Ann. Hi, Ann. Hi, who's this? This is Sue. I think I texted you about my call. You did. I, yes, you did. You texted me, and I just um, got home, actually, and just made myself something to eat, and I called in. Okay, good. Is anyone else on the call? Yep, there's five of us now. A couple of them are going in and out. Well, we've had a little bit of technical difficulty, but um glad you joined us. Uh, I and we're, this is, Specifically, a, a spiritual metaphysical call and by invitation. So um, we're glad that you joined us. Oh, thank you. Then I I wasn't sure what it was about. Um, I didn't understand. So that would be my first question, which I think you just answered. <laughs> uh huh. 
Yeah, well, if you go to TalkShoe.com, you can look up Quantum Theology or by the call-in number, and it will take uh-huh. you to the page and will show you, you know, it, it has uh, a bunch of older episodes pre-recorded there that you can listen to. And, oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, let me just mention that because... Um, I don't know how many of these calls I'm going to do or I'll be allowed to do in the future. But there are, I'm counting now, that's five on that page. There's at least 12 episodes that can be listened to, and almost all of them have a meditation attached. There's four or five on that page. So that's 10 of them now. Twelve. So at least twelve, thirteen. What gifts are you thankful for? Fifteen. Okay, so at least fifteen going back to last November. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Rec- I didn't record everything. Um, the sound quality is not pure because it's talk show. We get a lot of different kinds of things going in and out. Um. But I do have some good meditations with MP3 files. I should give you that number if you don't have it. You, I have that number. You do? I have that number. Yeah, I haven't called yet. Is that the one that you could choose from 1 to 10? Yeah. And there are, there yeah. are 10 meditations. Um, uh-huh. I, there's no conversation on those. They are basically edited out. So that it's just meditation. They're about 10 to 15 to 20 minutes piece. And let me give you that number anyway, just in case you want to do that on your own. It's 712-775-7029. Okay. Hold on. And then you have the caller ID. It's Three six seven six six eight six four four pound, and that'll take you to my page. And then it'll say, uh, "Do you know what reference number?" And then start with three, and move up to ten. Three is for grounding and centering, and all the way up to ten. The first two. I redid later, so those will be more or less repeats. The first two were my practice ones. So three to ten, that's seven meditations that you can do one a week, one day. I mean, uh, yeah, you could do one a week, or you can do one a day for a whole week and have a new thing to do each day. I've been trying to get my notes together and all of the extensions and so I did that this morning and I remember copying it into a log book I was like okay this is Sue's meditation I haven't done this yet this is something that's going to be on my list and here you are <laughs> yeah. and all things work together for good to the for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. From Romans 
Are you familiar with meditation, Dan? Have you done any in the past? It's it's difficult for me to meditate. I have tried. Um, before I was targeted, when I would try to meditate, I would... I, I think I have my own way of meditating, but anyway, before I was targeted, I would try to meditate. My mind would go off to all the things I should be doing right now. <laughs> You know, and now that I'm targeted, it's just getting to a point where I can relax enough to even think about meditating is um, right Right now everything's pretty okay, but right now things are peaceful, so I think yeah. I can. Well, right. Well, you know, the distraction aspect is common to everyone. That's That's normal. So, um, yeah, but you have to work at that, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's not uh, something that your mind is used to doing, so you have to, like, discipline it. But it's not discipline like a harsh discipline, but uh, it's more like, um, okay, there's that thought, I'll let it go. There's another thought, I'll let it go, I'll let it go, I'll let it go, I'll let another one go. Until you feel like you can stay focused for 10 minutes without, you know, problems. And then you can extend it. You know, the more practice, the easier it gets. Then it takes no time at all to get to those relaxed states where you can focus. And, of course, with all the, you know, stuff coming at us, there are, um, you know, multiples multiples of distraction that makes you, you know, really work at it. So, yeah, that's what you're saying is very normal. Um, Just practicing makes it better, easier to do. You know, sometimes when I just, you know, I'll find, I don't know, I'll use this as an example, I, I, I... I'll find that I, I found a um, a baby um, turtle on the beach. And I stayed with this turtle for, and I just concentrated. I didn't think about anything else. But getting this turtle direct, you know, back to the ocean. And I don't know how much time. I mean, an hour could have gone by, maybe more. And, you know, so I'm not sure if that's a form of meditation, is it? Well, that is a focused attention. So, yes. And, you know, it brings up the point that we had before about how animals can be our guides and our teachers. So maybe you have a connection with turtles uh, as as a guide to you. And the fact that you served a turtle somehow makes them link to you spiritually. If you're a saved an animal, you've been linked to that species and they can become a spirit guide to you. Wow. Okay. 
I've been saving animals my entire life. (laughs) Wow. Can you say that again? I've I've been saving wild animals my entire life. Well, yeah. I sometimes look down and wonder, did God put you here? Did God put you at my feet again? Because sometimes I just look at them and say, I don't have time to save you today. (laughs) But I do. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but you know I don't want to limit it to animals because if you do a lot of spiritual work, your guides are going to be higher and higher and higher, and the higher you go, the more lives you're responsible for not only human but animals but other creatures and environments. And the higher you go spiritually, metaphysically, the more responsibility you have, and the more influence you have on those greater spheres. So uh, you you end up having higher and higher guides to go with you. You know, guides who are of equal or greater domain. Wow. Yeah. And there's a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy of spiritual power. And uh, the higher you go in your own work, the more you are presented with, not only are you presented with more moral questions and ethical questions, but you're also given higher levels of guidance to pe- from from beings, you know, angels or archangels who have been overseeing this earth for eons, who know already, you know, what the choices can lead to. They don't change your choices, but they offer you choices. And they also offer you the wisdom for those choices, especially after you've made them. (laughs) So, um, you know, if, like, say you chose right, you know, to do right in a situation, even though the pressure was to do the wrong thing, you know, to act out in some negative way, if you chose to do the disciplined self-controlled, you know, what is good for all in this situation, they will come to you after and show you, yep, that was the right one. But they won't make the choice for you. They they will congratulate you and show you they're proud after. They will give you the accolades that you need to know that you made the right decision and you followed through on your truth. The truth for all, that is, not the truth for individual. Because like we said earlier in the call tonight, everything is connected. Everything Everything is. All of it. The dark and the light. All of it. And we are given a very difficult environment to work in, to live in, and to learn in. Time of this history. Harder and harder sometimes. Yes, sir. I agree with you. That's and you clarified that for me. Very important.
I was expressing before that, you know, I'm not very strong physically, and um, they really come down on me pretty hard, especially when I'm teaching about energy and thought and healing. They put those three things together, they seem to be extremely threatened by it, which means I'm on the right path, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, tell I tell them that, you know, come on, you want, you want me to know that or not, you know. But apparently they can't change their MO, so I find out that I'm on the right path because there's a, a tremendous amount of resistance from learning this secret, the secret that energy follows thought. Okay, three very important words. It's not new. It's been around for thousands of years. But we're in this we're in this like highly activated energy zone. You know, each of our houses are highly charged. Mm-hmm. We live in a charged environment. What are you gonna do with all that energy? Just sit there and shrivel up or try to direct it. And how do you direct that energy? By your thought. Now you can use it for good or for bad. You can use it to heal yourselves or your animals or your plants. You can say a prayer for the world and that energy can follow your thought. One day I'd like to have a group meditation for healing, you know, larger environments than ourselves. But we have to practice individually first. When we get good at healing ourselves, then we can extend the influence to wider environments like a town or a city or a state. Yeah, I haven't put anything in there yet. I've got, I was going to put the dishes from the, up in your cabinet. In there. What's that? Sorry. I'm sorry. I was talking to my mom. I forgot the mute button was off. Okay. Um, so you can have wider and wider influences. The better you get at it, the more you can extend where your thought goes and how much energy will follow it to, you know, heal somebody. It takes no time at all. It's, here's the, the miraculous thing about it, which is not new. Jesus was teaching healing when he was here, and he's one of my teachers too. And he showed how you can heal just by touching someone. How does that happen? Well, he transmitted energy, and he cleared up the problems just by touching them with the right focus, the right intention. He healed people because he was pure mind and heart, and there was nothing standing in the way. And we can learn how to do that also. He even said that. Mm -hmm. You will do these okay. things greater. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think I've always known that. I've always known that, but once you're, you know, the anger issues that I'm dealing with being targeted, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm just losing it. You're losing, losing the anger? No, no, I'm losing that, that, knowledge of being connected, you know, oh. that. 
Well, that's I was what intention is. It was something I was always cognizant of. In fact, when I'm screaming at them and I'm saying, God will, will not abandon me. I've been, you know, I've been part of this earth. I've been, I'm, I have contributed to this earth, and I know that it will not abandon me. It will come back. Well, they want you to become angry because anger is a very low level of frequency. And it separates you from your good. It separates you from your wisdom. And that's part of their game, you know. It's not a new game. It's a very old game. But that's what they're trying to do, especially the people who are very compassionate and and very aware. And so uh, they feel that that's a win. But it's not a win because all you have to do is change your mind about it and recover your knowledge. Just go back to where you know is true and practice it again. Despite the resistance, you're going to have days when you're angry. It's human, you know. As long as you can recover your truth, yourself, your intention, your purpose, then you can release that and go back right up to it, back up to it. It can happen in an hour. It can happen in five minutes. It can happen in a week, you know. Say you yeah. have a whole, if you have a whole week of anger, and you are you're planning negative things. All right, then the week is over, and you can come right back to who you are, really, who your essential self is, really, and not let that carry any weight. As long as you don't keep putting weight to it or following through on those thoughts. Well, I guess this is a very important call, then. Well, they're all important calls as long as you can use them. Well, it's it's just, you know, your words right now kind of shaking me, you know, shaking me out of it. Just like, okay, come on, you know this. (laughs) Get back, you know. And, um... You know, sometimes it just takes, I believe that God speaks through others. I believe that when people speak to me, it's God's not going to come and, you know, show up in front of me and start talking to me. But he sure does use other people as as a vessel to speak. Absolutely. Yeah, if he can't use other people then it can be something else. It can be, uh, you know, you can take the Bible or a favorite spiritual book and say, what do you want me to know? And just open it up. And get uh-huh. it. You know, get, in, get into a frame of mind where you say, I'm ready for a clear message. I'm getting all of my stuff out of the way just for a few seconds. Open the book and your answer will be there. It's called Bibliomancy, actually very old. You can use it with the Bible, you can use it with uh, you know, the Bhagavad Gita or you can use it with a prayer book from a library anything you want. Mm-hmm. You can use Moby Dick, you know you can use because <laughs> <and laughs> there will be a message in there as long as you're as long as you clear the channel for it to show up uh-huh. and then you go 
I'm ready. And wherever it feels like the right place to open that book, there will be a line. If it's just one line, that's all you need. You don't have to read the whole book. It happens to me so many times that I don't even I don't even have a list of how many times that works for me, but I just know it does work. Or you can take a walk in nature. And you call this mindfulness walk, right? You're right. going for a walk with the intention that you're going to get a message. And you clear your mind and every expectation for the walk except that you're going to have a gesture, a movement, a wind, a feather. Something will land in its path by synchronicity and by somehow divinely guided moments, moments together that will say this is what you need to know right now. You can sit. Let's say a feather falls in front of you. Oh, you love feathers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, wait. Wait a minute. What else does it say? Be light. Fly. Get another perspective. What? You know, I'm not going to say what the message should be. Right. It will, yeah. it will come from deep inside of you through the perfect divine alignment of all the things in the universe just for that moment. If you trust God, Anything can happen like that. You can have that very mystical moment manifest for you. And of course, gratitude at the end of every spiritual encounter always expands it and grounds it inside of your being. Gratitude is not for the other as much as it is for both that connection. Thank you so much for this. That was for me and for you to be acknowledged and now it's grounded in my reality and yours and we're connected. Now I, uh, I'm going to let you guys talk for a minute to call in on my other phone. I'm going to try because this phone is running out of battery juice. Okay. I'm going to get cut off. So go ahead and talk, all right, for a few minutes. Okay. Go ahead and say something to each other. I'll tell you who's on. Karen, Amy, Anne, and Chris. And I'm going to call right back. All right, bye. Okay. Well, you guys, I know everyone that's on this call. I've spoken to all of you. Hi, Anne. Hi, Anne and Tammy from Portland. Hi, Amy from... From Long Island, from from Queens. <laughs> yeah, Amy's from Queens. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Amy's from Queens. Yeah, that's right. an amazing coincidence, Amy. I, I'm still thinking about it. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to say something, though, that um, I think uh, it's, it's vital to say right now. I want to I want to say something about self compassion. Uh, there's been a lot of research and studies on it for the last um, number of years um, by by a couple of um, uh, psychologists. One, one her name is Christine Neff, N E S S. She's a Ph.D. psychologist, and uh, she's done extensive research into the um, the paradigm of compassion, so self compassion. So, so she's so she found that self compassion uh, trumps uh, rules over self esteem. I remember for decades it was always self esteem, self esteem, self esteem. How you feel about yourself and all that. But now she said that the happening thing now is self compassion. So, so whenever I get any kind of uh, attacks, sometimes, sometimes I remember to say to myself, "I'm so sorry, my darling." To myself, "I'm so sorry you're going through this. This is really horrible shit, and I really feel bad about this. You don't deserve this. You deserve so much better. You deserve your privacy. You deserve to be left alone." Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to do the best I can so that you can feel better. Whatever I can, you know, what can I do for you right now? Can I? How can I soothe me right now? How can I soothe you right now? So basically, that's really, basically, just make it up. You be creative. But you talk to yourself and you tell yourself how, how, how much you know, how, how you're hurting, how this attack really hurts you and really hurts you. It hurts, it hurts me emotionally. It hurts my it hurts my dignity. It, it hurts my my privacy uh, expectation that we all were raised with, uh, believing that we all have privacy in our homes, in our cars. You know, well, not really in our cars, but wherever it's not a public place. We always were raised, always programmed, conditioned that we have privacy, and that's been stripped away from us. It's been taken. Stolen, you know, and it's a, it's been a big trauma. It's just serious trauma what's happened to all of us. To have our privacy stripped away is very serious trauma. It's probably the biggest trauma any any human being can can, can experience. So so that's why I think self compassion can work really well. You know, it works for me that I remember to do it. I want to, I want to remember to do it more. That's that's what I wanted to say to you, Anne, and, and everyone else on the on the call. Uh, you know. Well, some, well, by you saying that, you're reinforcing it for yourself as well. Well, well, self compassion, you know, it's for it's for yourself. It's to let you know. It's so easy to give compassion to. It's easier to give compassion to other people than to ourselves, and that's how we're open conditioned. So it's just basically turning it around and, and, and bringing it inside ourselves and just speak, telling ourselves that I really feel bad for you, Amy, or or or. or or and you talk to yourself. I really feel bad for you, man. This is really hard stuff. Gee, this really hurts. I mean, you know, you know, you know, this this attack really hurts. However, you're being attacked, this really hurts. You know, and all that. And I'm really, you know, I feel horrible, and I want I want to let you know that 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 that, that I'm here for me. I'm, I'm I'm here for me right now. I'm available. I, I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm right with it. I'm not. I'm not running away from it. I'm right here with it. 
There was Doesn't that exercise with loving your inner child. I, I remember that from years ago, you know, where you would, um, um, be the maternal figure to yourself, you know, want to give yourself that unconditional love as... Be your own coach. Yeah, be your own coach. That's what meditation stuff kind of helps me do because I'm directionless without it. So I just remember one of the ones that we did and I go back and do it again and do the breathing and the relaxing and then the visualization and it helps me take control of situations where I feel out of control and calm down and it makes gives me perspective. And I was going to say about the privacy issue... I mean, that's not the half of it. If you consider they're using us down to our molecular level and God knows <clears throat> what they're doing at that level <laughs> or what they're looking at even at that level. So, yeah, we the privacy thing is out the window. We're a lab rat. Well, yes, Karen, that is true. But the privacy thing is what is... The only thing you can do, Amy, is you can conduct yourself in the most dignified manner that you would want to be perceived as being seen in. And just live your life as best you can that way, uh, knowing that, you know, this is the best you can do, this is the best you can be, and you're going to be the best every single day so that you never have to be ashamed of anything you said or thought or did or whatever. You're going to be the best person you can be, and you're going to be proud of yourself, and you're going to be dignified and hold your head tall. Not let anybody put you down or say anything about you that you care about again. Period. You know, when, when a woman finds out, when a woman starts going for a man, I guess, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about women right now, when they go for chemotherapy, even though it's cancer and it's dangerous and it's deadly and they're going for chemo what are they worried about the most and this is down the line this is across the board it's always their hair and it is I mean on you know intellectually you know that it's cancer and and it's deadly and you know you can count your days but yet it's the hair okay that seems to um, depress someone is because Actually, it's I like being forced to have to wear a scarf over. I like being. Wait a minute. Am I, I like being forced to have to wear a scarf over my head because then I don't have to fuss with my hair. I don't have to spend time, and I like wearing a uniform every day. So tennis is great for me. I, I like not having to think about all those things like hair. Because I always had frizzy, curly hair, so having not having any doesn't mean a whole lot to me, except I have a lot less to worry about. Yeah, but what I'm doing, I'm I'm just elaborating on what Amy said about being watched all the time, how traumatic yeah. it is. What were you saying about the hair, though? You were saying about the hair and the women? Yeah, I'm using that as an example. Yes, I am losing my hair, too. I mean, I'm, I can fill a tub up with my hair. Um, does your hair burn all the time, or does your scalp burn? Yes, my scalp burns. But if my scalp is very, very tender to the touch. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're mm-hmm. doing. 
But unless I'm looking, unless I'm looking at my brush or in the mirror or vacuuming and emptying up the vacuum cleaner and seeing all the hair that's in it, filling up the bag, it's the, it's, it's the thought of not having privacy, I think, that trumps that. You know, it just, it's just always, always. Consider, consider this, though, really, Amy, um, even not being in TI today, I'm not sure how much privacy no, is on TI, really. Huh? Um, this is Anne. Oh, Anne, I'm sorry, Anne. But anyway, this is a major issue today that's actually being discussed on the opposition, controls opposition machine, the TV but they're actually talking a lot about um, this, the, the loss of uh, privacy of, for everybody. The whole world is pissed off pretty much because everybody's email and everybody's accounts are getting hacked and everything you do and say is being recorded and stored and everybody's pissed off about it right now and they're talking about it, the controlled opposition people anyway. So it's out there on the airwaves big time and um, privacy things isn't just you or me. I mean, there's cameras everywhere, there's satellites, and God knows what else, you know, what's ever following us around. Um, so everybody's probably experiencing some degree of targeting, actually. Not yeah. realize it. Yeah. And the, their privacy is also violated. So, you know, I know it's in, first it's a horrific um, realization, and then you've got to get yourself over it. And say, okay, it is what it is, and everybody's being... Uh, violated. So I'll just be dignified and do what every human does and live my life and not worry about it because they're looking at everybody. They're watching everybody, you know. And they can mind control a whole continent, supposedly, according to Nick Begich, with, in 2007 with the harp thing. So that was then, and this is now eight years later, nine years later, so I'm sure they can do a whole lot more with the more. They've got more harp machines and more, more toys. So... <laughs> You know, I just—you don't—I wouldn't worry about the small stuff. The big stuff is uh, a degrading immune system, uh, degrading calcium levels in your bones. Uh, that's why the, I use now, Karen. That's why I use that as an example. I use someone going to chemotherapy as an example. Yes, oh, I we know this intellectually. We know this. Okay, but the everyday tension, the every minute tension, is the tension of being watched. Is what Sue, okay, it's what Amy said. I'm sorry, that you know, it's like we're being dissected every second, day and night, twenty four seven, while we sleep. I mean, you know, this is just mind boggling. You know, I look in the mirror and I say, "This," but this is only when I look in the mirror. See, I'm not, I'm not conscious of it or else. I look in the mirror and I say, "If you could be doing this to the outside of me, if I can look like this on the outside, what are you doing to me on the inside?" You know, that's that why I it's really important to focus on uh, Sumaya's energy healing because we're—that's what it's about—is healing you from the inside out. I know. That's that's why I'm on the call. First one. First one. On a molecular level, basically, is what you're focusing on, fixing your body so that it hums in tune with the universe and nothing in it is flipping around and being uh, ionized <laughs> or whatever. 
you know, being thrown out. And there's no free radicals. They're all being blown out of my lungs. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. I didn't mean to keep going. I'm blah blind. Make your point. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I no, I did. No, good. Oh, you did? Okay, right. good. I didn't. I felt yeah. like I cut you off. I didn't mean to. If no. I cut you off, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, Amy's an interesting person. She's very. Um, what's the word? Uh, diligent. Um, She's dogged, you know. She hangs in there, and yeah. she, dog- she doggedly fights the fight. You know, it's impressive to watch. It takes a lot of gumption and a lot of get up and go discipline to do that. I think it gets to a point where you have to say, "What choice do I have?" <laughs> You know which what, which what do I have? What choice do I have? Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes life doesn't always give us choices. You know, some people are born without hands. You're not given a choice, so you got to learn to cope with what you're given. I always, you know, as a nurse, I guess I saw so many people wounded that I always thought, well, what would I do if I was down to just my brain and I was in a wheelchair? And I thought, you know, I would find something, some way to entertain myself. Hey, who's making the noise in the background? Could you please just star, star six or something? Mute yourself. Are you there, Ann? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you, you you made a very good point because um I remember I was I I don't know if I read it or I heard it. I think I read it somewhere about a prisoner of war. And when he was released, he said the only thing that kept me sane was in my I I'll call it a cell, I don't know. Um, he said there was a screw or a nail in the floor, and I just kept turning it and turning it for days and years and turning it and turning it, which was probably his form of meditation. I think about this, and, and I also think, wow, I remember this, and whoever thought that it would be of use to me now. (laughs) That information, like all the information we've ever gotten in our lifetime. Could you say that sentence again? I couldn't hear you either. The phone was muffled a little bit. It's like all the lessons, this is how I feel. All the lessons that I've had in my lifetime that pretty much didn't make sense or I didn't, you know, connect it to anything. And it's all coming back now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those things that you took and you tucked away in your brain and you said, well, I don't understand it now, but I'll figure it out later. And then all those things are coming out now and popping out and you're going, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) Now I know why this happened. Now I know why that happened. Now I know why this happened. Now I know why that happened. So at least you know, you know, you have knowledge of some power. Yeah. You know what to watch for when your behavior changes again. Or you do something that is negative in nature and you can go, oh, yeah, repeat. Right. And also, it also looks like, oh, so that's why I had to learn that skill 20, 30 years ago because now I need it, you know. Oh, that's interesting. How did I... I didn't know I was going to have to go through a certain experience so that I could use that information 30 years later. No? Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's interesting you say that. All of us that are here today have a past and a history and product to bring to the table to create this jigsaw puzzle that we're putting together. So... Everybody has a part. Yeah, and so all of our lives are like parts of that past and present, are parts of that jigsaw puzzle. And well, you have to say, I think you can't deny it. It, it had to be. It had to be God. God knows all. God knows, you know, the future. And you know, is was it God that was doing that? Was that was preparing us for this? Yeah. Well, I I think so. It was God that was doing what? God preparing us with our earlier parts of our lives to be able to get through this and have uh, a role in it. So we can let go at the appropriate time, huh? Because we've already reviewed our lives. Oh, well, that too. Yeah, but also the skills that we can bring to the table. I'll give you an example. I, I mean, this is the one that comes to mind. Um, well, the first one was when, I'm telling you, I was a kid, and I, I read this about this prisoner of war with the screw, okay, turning the screw for years and years and years. He said it was the only thing that kept him sane was turning the screw or a nail that was in the floor, okay? That was one of them. Another one that comes to mind is, um, I have a lot. Actually, I have a lot. My boyfriend said, he bought me a book one time, and the name of the book was Small Miracles. He said, Anne, you have so many stories, you can be in this book. <laughs> you can, he goes, things only, this only happens to you. And I said, no, it doesn't only happen to me. It happens to everyone. You're just not paying attention. Good point. We're, we right. all get lessons in life. We just have to pay attention to them. Good point. When you're aware, you paid more attention. I mean, when I was a kid, my thought, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I was little. I was tiny. And my father would look at me and say, you're so small. You're so tiny. And, you know, he didn't want me to be afraid of anything. So, he sort of taught me bravery, you know. He like taught me how to be brave, and he would get a spider, and he would put a spider on my hand or on my arm, and he would say to me, "Doesn't that tickle?" Okay, so 
as a result of that, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not afraid of insects. I mean, I'm fascinated with insects, fascinated with them, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've never seen, I've never thought of a, a spider or any insect as something scary. I always thought it as something as fascinating. So Good for you. Yeah, so, well, this was a lesson that who knew why, right? Later in life, um, I I told you I worked in the emergency room. I got a back injury, bad back injury. And here I am thinking, now I'll heal. You know, the body heals itself. I'll be fine. And I wasn't fine. It was just getting worse. It was getting bad. And um, I met up with someone who had MS. And he introduced me. He said that he was taking um, apotherapy, which is B, this form of apotherapy. I mean, there are many forms. There's honey and pollen and propolis. But this form of apotherapy was actually B venom therapy. And he said, um, you know, it's, it's really helping me. Well, as a result of that, I hooked up with a beekeeper and started giving therapy because here I am, I'm not afraid of bees, and other people like freak out if I even mention it to them, but these poor people who had autoimmune diseases, lupus or um, MS, I mean, they would come to the farm and, you know, look forward to their bee stings, their bee venom. And so I said, well, this is what I'm here for. I, why did I meet this man with MS? Why did we become friends? And here I am giving, you know, stinging people. And I'm doing it gently where I don't hurt the bees, which I can't say that for everyone, um, but um, I refuse. I would not hurt the bees. And I, I, I was so skilled at it where I can where I can actually um, lift a bee without, without harming it, you know, without doing any harm to it. So I said, wow, this was like what I was meant to do, you know. And as a result of helping other people, someone suggested to me that it may help my back pain. And I took my friend giving this therapy and not, you know, using it for myself. I did. I took my first bee sting, and then I took my second bee sting, and you know, you build up. You you build up, or not a. It's not a resistance, but you have to build up. You can't just do, you know, you can't do twenty stings or thirty stings at once. And um, my bat, my it, it cured me. I was cured. I was cured with these bee stings. And my back was fine. I was okay. And, really you know, and I'm skeptical. It wasn't even that I, it wasn't even like a placebo effect because I would look at these people that I was stinging that, and I would cry. I mean, I would stand there watching them come in wheelchairs and crutches and, you know, they'd, they'd be struggling to get into this, like there was a barn on, on, in, in the farm. And, um, and I'd say, well, you know, I don't see them getting out of the wheelchair and doing the Irish jig, so I don't know if it really works, but, 
you know, I'll do what I can to help him anyway. And then here it is, you know, it turned right around. And I mean, I was free of pain. <laughs> it was like, I went years free of pain. So I was like, wow. And I thought about the spider and my father and how I wasn't afraid of insects, you know, like that was part of God's plan. It was all part of the master plan. Mm-hmm. That's a good story. That's a really good story. Yeah. Because most people would be terrified of a bee sting, but you overcame that. You befriended them, and you made bees your ally and your healer. And so many people are afraid of bees. I mean, that story by itself, even if you could just get to the general public to say, you know what, not only are bees our friends and do they pollinate every crop in the world, but look what they can do just by being their natural stinging selves, you know. Look uh-huh. look at all the good they could do. And, I mean, if you were an advocate for bees, that would be a great story. Because, you know, the bee population has been diminishing with all the chemicals and no, radiation that makes, and everything. That makes sense. Uh, Anne, is this Anne I'm talking to that was saying that? Because yeah, the yeah. people of old, the ancient people, probably got healed when they picked their fruit, their citrus fruits, and got stung by the bees. You know, that's probably, they let themselves maybe get stung, or they probably, the stinging by the bees was what kept them healthy. Probably got them through a lot. Think about all the things <laughs> in nature that, that are curative oh, in nature. Watch, when I watch huh? these horror shows, you know, that people getting stung and they're running away from, from a swarm of bees, I'm like, God bless you. Let them sting you. <laughs> you have so no cool. idea. I mean, just the overwhelming the feeling like I remember when I took my first thing I didn't know if it was healthy I didn't because I mean you're trading one pain for another you know you're trading the pain of your ache for the pain of a bee sting because it hurts okay so you don't know if it's working you're still in pain you have no idea you know later on later on you realize that well, how I real this is how I realized it worked. Um, it, I get ice on my roof. I have a flat roof, so I go up onto the roof and I'm I'm chipping away at this ice. I have like an ice pick and I'm I'm getting these big sheets of ice and I'm throwing them off the roof. I mean, I'm picking them up and I'm thinking as I'm doing it, I'm thinking that's it. I'm going to be in a wheelchair tomorrow. That's it. I'll never move again. I mean. You know, and the next day, I got out of bed like I never got out of bed before. I mean, I hopped out of bed, and I was fine. And that's when I knew that the therapy was working. So, I don't know. It it, it really is. And I want to share a story with you because they were giving me excruciating pain in my uh, that imitated a prolapse coccyx basically it's like sitting on shards of glass for at least a year year and a half and it got worse and worse and worse and worse and they made it go away i had an mri had a cat scan had x-ray nothing there they made it go away in a 15-minute car ride after two years of agony and pain pills it went from a level nine to a level one 
been there ever since. Oh, wow. So think about that, that in was, lieu of what happened to well, me. And that happened right after you started meditating. Remember? It happened uh, right after you started learning meditation. It? Oh, was it? Okay. I don't. I didn't remember the timing, but I probably I was around the time. Yeah, it was really interesting because it just poof disappeared, and I was like, "Well, gee, how do I rate?" So I just kept breathing and focusing, <laughs> relaxing. I don't care how it works. I'm just going to keep doing this stuff. Yeah. Well, they usually don't. They don't release you of any pain unless you have found some countermeasure that works. I mean, in general, that's how they work, you know. And I remember you telling me that it would happen right after you started the meditations, like last spring. And then um, you said, oh, my God, I had this pain for so long, and two or three meditations, and it was gone. And you were on your way to the doctor to get more pain pills. Yeah, on the way to the pharmacy to pick up the pain pills, and it was like a and huge well, ordeal I've been through, yeah, and it it yeah. turned out to be everything bad turned out for the good for those that are whatever uh, to the Lord. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. You know, we must be His servants because bad stuff sometimes turns to good stuff. Yeah, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So when you stay on His path, you're called according to His purpose. Right? That's that's right. Or if you don't know and you ask, where do you want me to be? You're being called to his purpose, whatever he tells you, whatever he tells you. And then you have to use discernment, you know, who's telling you, right, because of all the synthetic telepathy. But still, if your heart is on him, if your heart is on the highest good, all things will come together for good. I think that's true. That's why I think it's so important to stay positive. It's just so hard, but it's so important. You have to work at it because, I mean, I keep flopping into negativity all the time. People hear me do it on the calls and dive off. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I killed another call. Yeah, but it's it's easy to slip into that negativity, but it's so important to stay out of it. Focus on the light. Focus on the good. No matter if it's, you have to breathe and count or whatever you have to do, you just got to do it. Stay focused. Stay positive. Mm-hmm. And forgiving. We bless each other. When we forget, yeah. someone else will remind them. <laughs> you know, it takes perspective to actually forgive. You have to envision yourself going up in a hot air balloon. There we go again with that meditation. And looking down on the earth like they're a bunch of ants and coming down again, you know, and it's real quiet and real peaceful and calm. But that perspective that you gain while you're up in the air is important because that's the perspective you need to gain now. You don't have time to wait for that hot air balloon. you got to get it now. And with that perspective comes forgiveness. And with forgiveness comes laughter. And with laughter comes healing. It also breaks the brain entrainment, I think. Definitely. It's an unexpected response. The computer cannot oh. compute. <laughs> it's that That's why it works. That's why it works. Because it's an unexpected response. They're not supposed to laugh. It's not computed to deal with laughter or a sense of humor. Actually, I, I think that's wrong. I think whoever's doing this has a wicked sense of humor. 
evil sense of humor, I guess is a better way to say it. <clears throat> okay. uh, this, I just quickly want to share that that quote, I said it twice tonight, and anybody, if anybody wants to look for it, is in Romans 8, line 28. Romans So eight. you need to look it up. Okay, Romans 8. There are actually a lot of good quotes in that chapter. Read them to Oh, I just closed it. <laughs> well, oh. the line that I just read to you is line 28 of that chapter. But there's a lot of good words of wisdom in there. Now i got to go back. It won't take good. long. Good for you. Doesn't... Okay, um, like I just saw something here that's very nice. Um, but those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on flesh is death, but the mindset on spirit is life and peace. Ooh, that's nice. True, too. And then later in line 9, it says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness, which goes along with satyagraha. Goes along with what? Satyagraha, the Spirit of righteousness. Oh, same thing only in Hindu. Um, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons or daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And there's a few more passages in here that are really good. Read them. Oh, okay, um... Line 16, we're still in Romans 8, line 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That's cool, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's a little more meaning to our lives. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. All right, more about suffering then. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Line, that's line 18, very good ones. And that line 21, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, what we do now is also to set free the rest of the world. 
For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. The pains of childbirth. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And and not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but in hope that is seen is not hope. Wait a minute. But Okay. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. That's faith. In other words, what good is it to strive to get something that you can see? Oh, I see that car. I hope for it. Well, that's not any kind of spiritual inheritance, is it? But if you hope for something that you cannot see, then your faith is growing towards it, to the unseen. In line 28, which I just said, for whom he foreknew, oh, this is powerful. Okay, back over line 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom many he predestined. Huh? Many he, what? Yeah, I didn't follow that either. Okay. The last line, so. All right. Well, again, line 29. For whom he foreknew, he knew us before, see? He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he predestined, that's us, these are also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Do you feel that? Yes. I think I'll leave it there. There's still another section of that chapter. Before I get glorified, I'd like to get something done on this earth. You know, <laughs> this problem here, I'd like to see it addressed, even if it means getting imprisoned. Well, that's the part of the justified, you know, section of it. Whom he chose, he also justified. You're called according to his purpose. I'm not saying you should go to jail over your actions. No way. But you should feel that you're doing the right thing, not crossing any lines that are going to get you in trouble. And still, you know what? You know what? You know what passed my mind when I was sitting waiting for you to come back on the line was what I'd really like to do to seek justice is to march to L.A. East L.A. with a big sign saying "Stop Apartheid in America" on one side, and the other side say "Stop targeting American citizens." 
and just walk through and see what happens. A white old lady walking with a big old sign like that. I wonder how many people would be behind me. I'm lugging. <laughs> I think that thought Maybe. went through my mind. I thought that might be a fun experiment, social experiment. Get a camera out. Let's try it. Well, then get two people. Get yeah. you and somebody to document and another person who can, like, speak or sure. explain our, and outline. And they can put it on video and put it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you could. It could happen. Call oh, the God. media. Say we're the getting mugging, the flesh. The mugging of, the mugging of Karen. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, gosh, that would be a bummer. Of Karen flash and the camera. Mom. You could you could Twitter all your friends and we'll call it Go Target Go, you know. Great. What's the target perform like a real target? You know, that'd be. But you never know though. You might make friends going through East LA or some part of, you know, oppressed part of the town and um. With a sign like that, because you know, I'm really upset with the way that black people are being treated right now. It's just off the charts. It occurred to me today, listening to all these free speech TV, what do we call it, controlled opposition shows, that um, this is like apartheid in America. They're all being imprisoned and they're being they're being oppressed overall, every which way you can think of, educationally, training for jobs, even nothing. Anyway, it feels it's like not an apartheid. I don't really know the extent of the apartheid in South Africa. I think it was way worse than what we're seeing here. But this is beginning to look like, you know, a, a, the eugenics program. And it really bothers me. You know, I don't mean to rustle up the masses, but I don't know if they're trying to socially engineer people by showing them all this stuff on TV. But on TV every day, there's a new thing, you know, going on. Have you guys kept up at all? Because it's very disturbing. I don't know if I'm just hearing stuff that is coming to us or what. I want to hear other people talk about it too. Well, there might no, be selective. Well, uh, there might be selective newscasting to get certain people um, polarized: white side, black side, Nazi side, uh, humanitarians. You know, just getting people divided up. And once they oh, exactly. do that, they can. Yeah, that's what I think is behind that's it. Good, and that's a good nice point, point, you know, targeting different people to see different things. Yeah, so to get people polarized and crystallized on their platform, you know, okay, we can well, put this one isn't on. That what, isn't that what Fox News is for? <laughs> uh, that's what that function is, to be polarizing. Yeah, I don't know what Fox News is for because they have, like, on my cell phone, when I check the headlines, I get about half of them, which are new, and the other half are repeats from, like, two years ago, I swear. And and I'm pretty sure they got control over that. But um, I get news about Bush. I mean, you know, he's... he's And um, I know that they got these certain headlines slated for you to click on it so that you go into the category. Like one of the ones that repeats on me is standing up for the Fourth Amendment, which I believe is free speech. Well, they're just waiting for you to click it. And then your Fourth Amendment is due process of law and equal protection under the law. That's what the Fourth Amendment is. 
support. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So there. The people are not getting due process. They're getting, you know, thrown in the hooch cow for eight years for a joint. And the cops are walking away scot-free after murdering someone blatantly on air, you know, live or whatever. It's ridiculous. It's gotten to a ridiculous point here. So I don't know if what I'm seeing is what everybody else is seeing. That's why I'm asking. Right. Well, that's what I'm getting on my phone when I check the news on, on that. You know, blank, but um, ancient history, huh? Yeah, ancient history mixed in with a few new things. So then I go check on. I have to check like three or four different websites to get a a picture of what's happening today, not what was happening eight years ago. You know, just stick an antenna on your TV and watch local news. Just listen to the first fifteen minutes in the morning, and you'll. That's all you need to listen to, and you turn it off. No. Well, I don't get any TV signal. I don't get any TV up here. All the signals on me, and I can't get a single television station here in the mountains. So maybe if you aim it up, maybe if you aim your your antenna up at the sky, you'll get a picture of yourself on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I told the guys, you know what? You want to mind control me? Give me a TV signal. (laughs) I'm sure you could triangulate something. No, all I get is snow because I'm in the mountains. They don't give me anything for free. You can channel it. You can channel it. Let me tell you something. We had to give up. um, We had to give up cable. And when we gave up cable, I gave up watching. I will not watch TV, commercial TV. I will not. I mean, cable, I had my choice of watching documentaries or movies. I love movies. But I will not watch television. I, I, most of my life, I, I would not watch TV. I, 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 I've always been very sensitive to cam laughter. You know, I'm just sensitive to noise. <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, well, yeah, and um, all those negative stories and car crashes and, you know, I mean, there's 75% of it is car crashes and plane crashes. And then... Uh, there's a bunch of other things happening in the world we don't hear about. Well, if you listen to, and Karen does, I, I know Karen listens to Democracy Now! And I gave a few I gave a few things that you can listen to, a few of my favorite shows I wanted to share with everyone, and they're very, very good. Um, one is Lauren Disorder. Okay, you can get this. See, I have a radio station. I have um, WBAI, and I believe in California it's WPPSKPKS. Uh, Does that sound familiar? Well, anyway, there's Lauren Water. The other one is Guns and Butter. That's I believe I believe that's Alec out of California. And this stuff you, you can get it online. Guns and Butter is excellent. It is excellent. I mean, the guests that they have, you know, they they just have just these solid, you know, historians and the theologians and they're just fantastic. I mean, professors and people that know what they're talking about, not people just giving their opinions, talking off of the top of their heads like, you know, you would find on the news, on TV news. 
you know, everyone has an opinion and everything's a contest, you know. I don't know if you remember, but when Edward Snowden was on, um, when they had him, I think it was on, it was on one of the major channels, like it was either ABC, CBS, one of those, right? And it became a contest. It became a contest show, like, Okay, at the end of the show, you vote. Now, you call in and vote. Is he a spy? Is he this? Do you trust him? Did he do the right thing? And they're like leaving it up to public opinion what they think of him. They made a contest out of it. I'm thinking this is what they have led the American people to think. That, you know, and I, I'm, the point that I'm trying to make is going back to the black and white thing, you know, try to divide us. Come on, we're beyond that. I mean, well, I like to believe that we're way beyond that. Why are we going backwards, divide and conquer, turn the blacks against the whites? Are you kidding me? You know what? It backfired. It backfired right back at them because I have never seen races united like they have united, okay? Have you noticed that? People standing up for each other and standing up together in unity? No, I haven't. Where have you seen that? uh, Everywhere. (laughs) I mean, from what, what... I mean, the big news for the last few years. Yeah, yeah, I have seen a lot of people standing up in unity, and I see a lot of people talking about fighting fascism, corporate fascism. I mean, when they're marching, when they're marching, there's not, it's not just black people. It's not black people marching. Everyone's marching. Everyone's standing up. You know, this is, this is injustice. And people recognize that. It's not just in America. There are several European cities where they've had a lot of protest activity, and also in the Asian countries, there have been a lot of protests going on. Um, so it's not just here. They come and go. And Of um, course it's not. There are yeah. so many. I mean, what happened in Gaza, okay, you would think, you would think if you listen to the news, if you listen to TV, you would think that the Palestinians and the Jews are at war and they're fighting with each other. Do you know how many rabbis said, we will not participate in this? We will not participate in this? There is no way after what happened to us and our history, we do not believe in killing and slaughtering. You won't hear that. You won't, you'll hear that on on progressive radio. You'll hear that on progressive, um, you know, online. But you won't hear that. That's not what the media is going to tell you. It's all about divide and conquer. Well, yeah, and they're trying to heat up a war in the Middle East right now. So, um, you know, the, the strategy is to get people really hot against the terrorism and they really I think they're they're gearing up for a war which means a lot of money you know they probably say well it's been peaceful for too long we need to you know we gotta start making some planes or you know we need some big contracts for big money and that's how Mm -hmm. they work you know they like the billions of dollars to come in I wish that meant that our targeting would lighten up but I'm not sure that's going to happen 
I was thinking the same thing as you were saying. That. You know, maybe they'll focus the attention on... off of us with a horrible exactly. thought. But <laughs> yeah, that's what I was hoping too. But uh, apparently, uh, you know, that we're just too valuable as contracts ourselves, and they pass us around and make money off of it too. So they got it's not only one area of income for them. But the but the the downside of keeping all these operations going is that they make themselves more vulnerable the more they spread themselves out. I mean, that's just, you know, the the war theater. I mean, how many different ways are you going to use your technology before you leave a lot of loopholes for people to to uh, infiltrate? And, hey, I'm not a warrior. I'm not trained in that area, but I can just see it. They They really ought to shut down these black ops so that they can close up all the loopholes, you know, for the technology and communications and so forth. But I doubt that they will. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, let's say you've got 2,000 satellites in operation. I don't know what the percentages are for usage, but... You know, other countries have technology, too. They can intercept billions of bits and decipher them and so forth. Um, that's not up to us to to do, but it is, it is an open wave of uh, infiltration out there for hacking and everything else. I, I don't know much about. I can just see that. Yeah, more, more, yeah, exactly. So you would think that they would want to shut up some of the When I believe, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, I'm on information overload. I really am. And I think like all of us, you know, with all our research and I know I print everything out and God knows I try to find it after, you know, there's so much of it. Um, And... I remember, oh, my God, I, I just forgot what I was even thinking of. Um, Information Oh, my God. Overload. No, that was, no, I interjected in my own thoughts, Information Overload. I was thinking about, um, oh. But it'll come back. It'll come just real, yeah, it'll, yeah. Come, it'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, it's no problem. It was just something that happened. I think it was in 2013 that, oh, oh, I remember. There was something about, um, I believe it was the Vietnamese, okay, had hacked Experian, okay, where all of our information and our FICA scores and everything, you know, you trust these companies to give you your, you know, your credit score and everything else. And they had it. They've they they like took everybody's identity from the United States. They had everyone's identity, everyone's social security number. We are our social security numbers. So there we can have doubles. I mean, there can be a Sue in Vietnam. There could be an Ann. There could be an Amy. There could be, we could be walking around. <laughs> we could yeah. have someone with our IDs. And, you know, and it's like, 
Yeah, well, you left yourself open to this. This is what this technology is. You know, where do you draw the line? You know, just like what you said, I'm elaborating on what you said, that, you know, you other it's, we don't, we're not the only ones with this technology. No. No way. Yeah, well, you remember this story, I think it was over the summer, where somebody apparently from China, but we don't know for sure, right, it was just the headline for, they stole like seven and a half million federal employee identities, including uh, high-level clearance people. And uh, so, but if you just think about it this way, if you got seven and a half million identities, which means you have their phone numbers, if you have their phone numbers, you have their emails, if you have their emails, you've got like hundreds of contacts from each one, multiply times, I don't know, and then you multiply seven and a half million people times, let's say uh, conservatively, 200 contacts per. Well, oh, my God, that's like multiple, 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 you know, fractal geometries of exposure off of that one hack. Exactly, yeah. I have to get a calculator to figure that out. (laughs) And who knows, you know, most of us have more than 200 contacts and a company name. Well, then there's thousands, and off of each one of those, another couple hundred, you know. So, yeah, it's extensive. It's way out. Well, when I got hacked, it was when trying to install an encryption on my computer, and, oh, all hell broke loose. I mean, I'm trying to install Tor, and apparently... Oh, no, you don't want that. You don't want Tor. They just wiped me out. Yeah. Well, that happened to me from opening an email. Uh, The Tor took over the computer and wiped out all my photos and written files. And now I and now I had to un you know I had to re- redo almost everything. But you stay away from Tor or anything to do with Tor or anything with the dark web because that is that's a nasty zone right all itself. Why did you decide to take the Tor and for an encryption? Was it sold to you or? No, no. I was just, you know, it was like the Snowden thing, and you know, I was reading that he was in classes on when he was in Hawaii. He was actually giving classes on um, encryption, and he chose Tor. And I thought, okay, so that you know, I'm not, I'm not really tech savvy. So I was like, okay, so Tor. You know, that's the one I heard of. So I said, I want me looking. Yeah, uh, that's oh, that's nasty. That's like saying I'm going to go down to hell with an umbrella for protection. You know, oh, I I did it in, innocently. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That's what they were hoping for. Oh well, 
to start over. Yeah, you know, I, what was happening, I mean, deleted, that's all it was, like right across the screen, deleted files, deleted, 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 deleted files, deleted files. I took out my camera. I said, no one will believe this. I started taking pictures. I just started taking, I just started snapping pictures of it. It was like, I'm either going to pull the plug, <laughs> which I did <laughs> after I took yeah. the pictures of it, you know, and this is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, anyway, I did it, and I, I made sure that I um, installed the virus protection before I did it, so I was feeling brave. <laughs> was it Norton? No, I had Norton. I had Norton, but it just so happened that Staples was having a great sale and a rebate on McAfee. So that's uh-huh. the one that went with McAfee. Yeah. Well, they also use those uh, as uh, Trojans to get into your computer. So, like, uh, I had Norton for a while, and then next thing I know, bad things were happening. And when I traced it, it looked like Norton itself was causing these viruses. So it's like, oh, if they see you got, okay, McAvee, right? Okay, well, good. We'll use our McAvee Trojan uh, facade, and we'll go in through there. So every time she tries to protect her files, she's going to get something out of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they just use that as a facade, or they use, yeah. they use that safety net. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I try not to use my computer too much except for a few things. And uh, I'm not going to upgrade, you know. They say, oh, you can't watch a movie unless you get a new browser. What? This computer is only five years old. I'm not going to get another one. (laughs) I know people are trading out like every six months for new technology. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, no. If you, you know, if I can't do it with my computer, that's it. I'm closing this page. I'll go to somebody right. else, you know. Yeah. Because they want mm-hmm. you to buy. They want, they want you to keep buying stuff. Get the latest phones, get the latest everything. And that's like more complicated, more problems, more loopholes, more things to figure out, spend your time on. My thing is, I mean, before... I- you know, we all know this, how things just break on us, you know. I mean, things happen. I know on, on some calls people say they left the house and somebody came in and broke something on them. Well, you know something, I've been present when something has just broken down, just something broke. And I just came to the conclusion that it was something that they couldn't um, infiltrate. So the newer models, of course, they can infiltrate. Everything made now, currently, is something that can be, you know, hacked into. Um, So, uh, like, one of the things that I had, I had this, like, incredible... Um, copy, printer, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it was like top of the line. And um, I didn't buy it. I, I could not never have afforded it. I acquired it. 
and set it up, and it was working fine. And the next day, I went to use it, and it didn't work. And, you know, I was looking at it. I was like, oh, it's not Wi-Fi. That was the reason. It wasn't Wi-Fi. They couldn't get into it, so they broke it. Now, I do believe they do it just from anything plugged in, they can destroy. Anything plugged in can be destroyed. Um, so, I, I mean, that's my take on it. So if you have, if you go through your junk drawer and you find a, a, a nice old phone, <laughs> a nice old cell phone that wasn't made in Hong Kong, <laughs> that's the one you want to use. And I, when you go to the library, there's usually a box, and the box says donate your old cell phones or donate your own cell for um, the military, for our servicemen, you know, as if they don't have a cell you know. <laughs> I don't care. The poorest person on earth has a cell phone, right? And I'm like, that's just their way of getting rid of them. That's just yeah. their way of, you know, getting rid of the the stuff that they can't get into. So that's my yeah, take even, on it. Even poor kids in Africa have cell phones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. So. Well, I like my I like the old fashioned landlines and anything you can do on that because. Uh, first of all, the sound quality is better, and there's a lot less radiation coming off of them, you know. So you can get an old phone at the thrift store for a dollar, get a landline. And uh, I don't know. just I like them. I like the old stuff, too. Oh. They won't let me have a landline. It will not let me have a landline. They just kept, no matter what I did, they would just wouldn't let me have a landline. And, oh. yeah, I was not, it, it, it just got ridiculous. Like, like, I always trusted a landline. I always thought, okay, a cell phone's fine. You know, it's fine for business. Um. You know, it's fine for emergency, but, you know, a landline is really important. And I wasn't those one of those people that was going to give up my landline. Well, they gave it up for me. And I could not get a dial tone. It couldn't be fixed. It could not, you know, it would work for a little while. They'd come, they'd fix it or whatever. And a week later, I wouldn't get a dial tone. But the craziest thing... I mean, and it's not going to sound crazy to us. <laughs> but who else could I tell? I would not have a dial tone for, say, I don't know, three, four months, right? Nothing. So I would give up on my landline. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't try to make a phone call. I'd pick it up. It's dead. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it would ring. And I'd answer the phone, like, in shock, you know. I answer the phone, like, hello? Not knowing what was going to be on the other end. Hello? 
and it would be my pastor's wife, all right? And she would, she loves, she talks, she talks, but she's really talkative. And I, I'd just be quiet because I'm still in shock that she got through. Like, how did you get through? And I'd say, oh, gee, Tina, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're the only person that's called me on this phone for, you know, the last four months. No one else could get through. And she wouldn't think anything of it. She would just keep talking. But she was the only, in two or three years, the only call that I have gotten on that was when she called me. She was absolutely the only person that could call me on that phone. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. And as soon as I hung up, that's it. Dial tone was gone again. 